Hello, everyone. Welcome to the World of NP podcast, an informative platform for healthcare consumers and providers, where your voices matter. My name is Dr. Christine Taharan. In this special episode, we will talk to Dr. Gabriel Fernandez about his award-winning Doctor of Nursing Practice project, titled "Fighting Antipsychotic-Induced Obesity by Using Common Sense Approach." Dr. Fernandez has received an outstanding DMP project from Cal State University Fullerton Doctor of Nursing Practice Program in 2019. Although there were many great DMP projects that were developed by DMP candidates in our program, out of the entire class of 30 students, this honor was only bestowed to one DMP candidate. Dr. Fernandez will discuss the background and purpose of his DMP project, methods utilized to measure data. Findings and recommendations. Before we talk to Dr. Fernandez about his project, I would like to review the difference between Doctor of Nursing Practice degree and the PhD degree. First of all, the Doctor of Nursing Practice degree is abbreviated and commonly known as the DNP degree. Typical question is: What is the difference between the PhD and Doctor of Nursing Practice or DNP degree? The PhD and DNP degrees are both terminal degrees in nursing that offer many opportunities for nurses to make significant contributions to the nursing profession. The PhD degrees focus on creating evidence-based practice through research. The DNP degree is clinically focused that improves health outcomes by translating and applying nursing evidence into practice and healthcare policy. In most instances, the DNP students recognizes the need for improvement into nursing practice or patient outcomes at a practice site and develop a quality improvement process by utilizing evidence-based practice. As such, the difference between the DNP and PhD studies is the focus. The DNP degrees focus on application of research into clinical practice by applying evidence-based practice into clinical settings, quality improvement. System leaderships or healthcare policy. The PhD dissertation, on the other hand, dives deep into academia and production of research by heavily focused on research methodologies. In this episode, we will talk about a DNP project that has received an outstanding award. Hello, Dr. Fernandez. It's a pleasure speaking with you today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Christine. Thank thanks for having me again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Fernandez. And could you please highlight your education and your nursing experience and background? Yes, I was. I got my bachelor's at the University of Santo Tomas in the Philippines, and then I immigrated to the United States. My first job was at Atascadero State Hospital, which is a forensic psychiatric facility, and that was how that was how I got into psychiatry. After two and a half years in Atascadero, I decided to pursue my master's and to get my NP certificate with a specialization in psychiatric and mental health at California State University in Long Beach. After I got that in 2014, I I practiced for about two years at an outpatient mental health setting. Then I decided to do pursue my DNP with you, and you are one of my colleagues at Cal State Fullerton, and we finished in 2019, and that's that's how and that, that's where I am right now. I switched jobs though. I'm no longer I'm working at an outpatient community mental health setting. I'm at a student、uh, university clinic, and I'm catering to students, university students who have mental health issues. 
Dr. Fernandez. Why did you pick psychiatry? I, my first job was in psychiatry. That was the main thing. I wasn't even planning to be in uh, in psychiatry, but I fell in love with it after two years in Atascadero. They are, I think, in my opinion, one of the most marginalized patient population, and my heart goes out to them. I learned to love my my patients, and I, I decided that hey. I'm in the psychiatric field uh, anyway, as a nurse, might as well go pursue this. I, I love being in psychiatry. I forgot already some of the concepts of, of being a general practitioner once being in the psychiatric field, but uh, I learned to love it. I didn't plan on being on this, but that's how I, that's where I ended up being. Dr. Fernandez, I'm interested to hear about your DNP project that won an outstanding DNP project award. As I had mentioned earlier, out of the entire class of 30 students, this honor was only bestowed to one DNP candidate, and that was you. You were given the honor. Congratulations, Dr. Fernandez. Thank you so much. And could you please tell us about the topic and why you picked this topic to be your DNP project? Yes. The beginnings of this occurred in, while I was still in Atascadero, one of the nurses, a lot of them, a lot of the patients in Atascadero are taking antipsychotic medications. And one of the things that we monitor is the weight. And there is, I would say majority are overweight. Majority of the patients taking antipsychotic medications in particular are overweight. I didn't put too much mind, too much thought on it until when I worked as a nurse practitioner at an outpatient community mental health setting. I noticed that whenever I prescribe a, an antipsychotic medication to a medication-naive individual, which is never, got, never took antipsychotic medications in the past, they ballooned and literally ballooned. The weight increase is terrible. The, they mentioned an increase, of, a huge increase in appetite and cravings, carbohydrate cravings, and eventually their, their, their weight increased. I also noticed it for individuals who are, have taken antipsychotic medications already in the past and are continuing to take it, that their weight is on the high side. BMI is over 25, which is overweight, but most of them are, are bordering into severely obese. That, that was concerning for me. I know as a psychiatric mental health, my, my primary, as a psychiatric mental health practitioner, my primary responsibility was to treat the, the mental health issue which is psychosis, but I have a responsibility to make sure that they have good quality of life as well. And I see that it's being affected by the increase in weight. And that's how I got into this project. Dr. Fernandez, I enjoy reading your DMP project paper. In your paper, you indicated that people suffering from severe mental health illnesses have high prevalence of not only obesity, just like you mentioned earlier, but also they have high incidence of mortality. Could you please share with us the background of antipsychotic-induced obesity and the prevalence? Obesity itself is, uh, is highly prevalent already, whether you're, you have severe mental illness or not. I think it's 27% of women and 21% of male individuals have, are, are obese in this nation. But if you factor in a severe mental illness, that doubles. It's, for women, it's about 50-something percent. And 47% of males with severe mental illness have obesity. So that's almost one half um, of the population. So you would come to think about it, what, what may be causing this. Now, I wouldn't say that antipsychotic medications are purely the, the causative factor for their obesity. 
of course they're being they're having a severe mental illness predisposes already to having obesity because of some lifestyle factors that are that needs to be considered so that's the prevalence it doubles it compared to the general population and that is obviously a a problem that needs to be addressed Dr. Fernandez, you also indicated that antipsychotic may play a role in, in the metabolic health and a long-term antipsychotic use may also lead to decrease in quality of life and increased risk of premature mortality. Could you please tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, you have to understand that the mechanism of action of psychiatric medication involves affecting some of the neurotransmitters in our brain. Unfortunately, when it comes to antipsychotic medications across the board, so all antipsychotic medications, it all it involves neurotransmitters that may affect the appetite. And these antipsychotic medications increases the appetite significantly for individuals who take it. Now, it's effective for the psychosis, but the the side effects are something that needs to be managed. Now, if you put the antipsychotic medications in like a spectrum, there are of course antipsychotic medications that are considered more metabolically friendly compared to the others. But each individual is different. Some individual some patients may respond better to that antipsychotic medication which produces the worst side effect for metabolically increase in weight gain those kind of stuff and of course you need to use that medication and manage the side effect secondarily so that will be those are my thoughts in regards to that Dr. Fernandez could you please share with us the purpose of your DMP project and what was your short term and long term goal when i was working at that community mental health clinic there was no standardized protocol with regards to managing weight increases or encouraging the patients to change their behavior get into more exercise or changes in lifestyle maybe changes in diet as well there's no standardized protocol for that it's more of what's the problem let's uh, find out what the problem is here's the diagnosis here's the medication for it and we don't consider those other stuff that may matter to the patient so the purpose of my dnp project is to uh, develop and implement a a tool that providers may use during their sessions and this could be 20 minute sessions so it may be fast paced to modify the behavior of uh, an individual with regards to healthy habits so that will be the short term goal the long term goal would be for individuals to for individuals who are overweight to be able to lose weight and to change their behaviors that would be the long term goal of the of, of my project how many participants did you have in your project or study yeah i was able to encourage 14 of my patients to participate in my project yeah. eight males and six females all of them have bmis of ranging from overweight to severely obese the i think the mean ages are there under 40s what methods did you use to evaluate the data the data i used the repeated measures of uh, anova see if there are changes over time with their weight over time and the the f wasn't significant remember it was say when we were gathering the data i only had about 3 to 4 months so it wasn't enough to produce a a significant effect but there are positive changes within that 3 month period there are positive changes that i was that i saw which i can include later on Dr. Fernandez as Part of the methods there were 20 minutes monthly medication follow up visit could you tell us the details of the visit 
Yeah, so initially we're given 45 minutes to every patient for a medication intake. But the follow-ups are ranging from 20 to 30 minutes, usually 20 minutes. So in that 20-minute span, you should be able to incorporate some of the, not only the assessment, but also the, the intervention itself quickly. Of course, assessing the side effects of the medication, dose adjustments, addressing any patient, patient concerns. So that 20 minute span can go by fast. So in that 20 minute span, I decided to cut it in chunks. So in five minutes, we would, we would talk about the problem, the issue, which is uh, weight gain. And the, all the 14 participants have uh, BMIs of over 25. So that's an issue, a prevalent issue that needs to be addressed. And then another five minutes from that 20 minute span would be tapping into what may motivate these individuals to change their behaviors. And that's where the interview prompt comes in from the uh, toolkit that could be helpful for providers because it already lists the questions that you might ask. You don't have to ask every question and you don't have to go by order. It comes, it should come naturally. So what's the most concerning for the client? Let's say... I'll give you an example. For example, a client that has a wedding to attend and wanted to, wanted to lose weight. And now you tap that in because that's the, that's the most motivating factor for the client. You talk to your client, uh, okay, you keep taking the medication, but these are things that you should do to be able to achieve that goal. And that makes sense. That makes, you're tapping into their common sense. That makes sense to the client. And that makes them motivated to do whatever they need to do. To lose their weight. The next question, Dr. Fernandez, and maybe this was part of the tailored plan that you just discussed. Other method that was incorporated consisted of the other five-minute discussion of tailored action plan that was guided by common sense model. Could mm. you please explain about the tailored action plan guided by the common sense model? Yeah, I, I say tailored because each individual has uh, different motivations and the common sense model divides common sense into five domains. So basically what they, how they view their problem, the five domains are identity, cause, consequence, the controllability of the problem and the timeline. So each individual, they may have um, different motivations. For example, for my project, the most motivating factor is consequence, the consequence of, of that problem. If you talk about consequences, most of my patients in, in my previous practice kind of lit, lights a light bulb on them. And, oh, they see the urgency of the issue. Uh, okay, obesity can cause heart issues, can, can cause cardiac issues. No, there, there's a lot of consequences, not only uh, health consequences, but also social consequences that, that may be related to their obesity. So those are things that need to be tapped upon. And I think in, from what my project demonstrated, that will be the most effective way on how you can get the individual to change their behavior and to work on that goal of losing weight, that long-term goal of losing weight. So in that, as you use the common sense model interview, it prompted you to gather more data? Yeah, I gathered more data. I got to know the patient better. I think it improved our rapport because we're not only talking about medications and side effects and all those cold stuff. Those are important stuff, but I think it's more relational in my opinion. It's, a, it's like a human art. I'm your care provider. I, I give care to you and I care for what you care about. 
and mainly weight is an issue that probably one of the things that's in your mind right now. And I want to talk about that. And then you get to know the, uh, the client better, of course. Like what I said, one of the clients attending a wedding and you get to know that person uh, better. So I think that's those are one of the advantages of the, the prompt more than just gathering data. Of course, the primary purpose would be gathering data, but also get to know the client better. Dr. Fernandez, what was the result of your study? How many participants lost weight and if so, by how much? And also did the result show statistically significant change? So not a statistically significant change, but here's the good thing. 14 clients participated in the study. 11 out of 14 of those clients lost weight from baseline. And the weight loss ranged from just two pounds to, and one client lost about 30 pounds in that three month span. I think one of the reasons why it's not statistically significant is because of the short duration of the project. I think that if it's longer than it would be, it would reach the statistically significant number, but I, I think it's very promising that 11 out of 14 lost weight and they, they did something. One pound is one or two pounds is not bad. So there's a trend to the right direction. That's great. Now, Dr. Fernandez, in your discussion, you suggested that tapping into clients' common sense understanding of being overweight is a promising way of motivating clients. Could you please share with us on how to tap in clients' understanding of being overweight and motivating them into losing weight? Yeah, first thing you want to tap in is how do they view their problem? Do they view it as a problem first? There has to be an identity to the problem. Kind of like naming the problem. If, I may say, if you don't know that there's a problem, then you're not gonna you're not gonna address it. For, first of all, if, I'm just gonna go by my prompt right here. W one question you might ask would be, would you say that you are underweight, normal weight, or overweight? So what what their view is, or have you been overweight before? Does anyone in your family have a weight issue? Those are the things. Just fishing for data, and I think getting a sense of whether the the patient views this as a problem because patient might be saying, oh, everybody in my, my family, is this, their weight is like this. So there's no issue for me. But so that's one thing to, to, to tap it, to tap in. And then once you get the data, then the education, our educational role comes in. You can educate the client regarding potential consequences or timelines and risks to gaining additional weight. Th those are the things that you can do to get that that patient from not viewing this as a problem to viewing this that, oh, this is a potential problem. It may not happen in the first visit or, or the second visit, but that's a step to the right direction. So instead of telling them that you're overweight, you ask questions that led them to think that maybe they might be overweight. You are respecting their autonomy. They're respecting them as an individual. You're not just uh, saying a number. Oh, it's BMI is 25.5. You're overweight. That doesn't mean anything to them. Has to be. It makes sense to them to elicit a behavioral change. So you just ask questions. What's think you're overweight, underweight, and then you go from there. That leads to my next question. In your discussion, in your paper, you indicated that knowledge of consequences was found to be the most motivating factors in starting a healthy lifestyle among participants. Please share with us a little bit more about that. In this particular, I, I wouldn't say that consequences have, is number one in that hierarchy of domains for the common sense model. But in my project, 
on my particular case, most of them responded to consequences. When, when you talk about consequences, you can, I'm not trying to make them fearful or anything. I'm just stating the facts here that this is the potential issues that you might encounter in the future. We have also to consider that the, my, my subjects are on their 40s. So that's the time when these cardiovascular issues, metabolic issues spring up. And that's a waking call for them. So that's probably the reason why consequences were the most mod- was the most motivating factor for that population. But I wouldn't say it's just consequences. It's important to discuss the costs, the controllability, and the timeline of the issue as well. Do you think your project might be different if you have participants in different age groups, such as maybe in their teens or early 20s? Could be, yes. I would say if it's a young group, I think controllability might be a, a factor or the timeline might be a factor for them. It's not just the consequences. When you talk about the young people, consequences <laughs> sometimes doesn't bother them. It's, it's a time for uh, experimenting or uh, doing stuff that they want to. So maybe the other domains might, might make more sense to them than just talking about consequences because it might remind them of, your, of their parents. <laughs> And you're not a parent. Or maybe reminding them of other motivational factors. Dr. Fernandez, part of your findings, did you conclude that weight management toolkit was helpful in fighting antipsychotic-induced obesity? Yes, but there needs to be modifications. The toolkit consists of the prompt, the common sense model prompt. And then I added a resource packet and a food and um, activity journal, a log. Some of my patients didn't like the log. They didn't like writing things in a notebook. Some of my patients preferred their, using their phone for logging in calories. So maybe an app would be better for them. The resource packet, of course, is just an informational packet of parks that are close to them, recipes, diet. It's not, it's not very individualized, I would say. The most individualized part of the packet is the the common sense model prompt because you're using it as a guide and your patient and what question might make sense more sense to the patient. So that made more of an impact for them over the, the log and the, the resource packet. So there needs to be modifications. I would say overall, yeah, it, it based on the results, yeah, effective. It's a bit effective. Eleven out of fourteen is not a bad number. That's an excellent number. Also, Dr. Fernandez, from the application of the evidence-based practice standpoint, did you find it feasible to implement a behavior intervention such as implementing weight management toolkit in a fast-paced community clinic? Yes, it is feasible. Yes. It's just a matter of asking the right questions. Sometimes one question would elicit a behavioral change. Asking one question would not take you the whole 20 minutes. It's just about caring about the, the patient. You ask the questions that you need to ask, of course, but that wouldn't take you more than 20 minutes. I think in a fast-paced setting, if you ask the right questions, there might be a possibility, and I would argue a big possibility for a behavioral change. And that would remind this, the your clients as well. For example, when they come back, they would know that, oh, Dr. Fernandez probably asked me about this again. So it might, it's a good reminder for them. That's why I encourage providers not to get discouraged about implementing a behavioral intervention, even in a fast-paced setting, because this is very doable. 
Dr. Fernandez, why is it important for healthcare providers, including mental health providers, to discuss weight and healthy eating during mental health visits? Because weight and healthy eating affects the quality of life. And the quality of life is a big thing when we are discussing mental health issues. I know when you're treating a patient with a psychotic issue, you're, you're giving them antipsychotics to treat that problem. But you want to, as individuals in the nursing profession, you want to look at the patient holistically. And that is the main reason why. It's a holistic approach of care towards our patients. Would you recommend for mental health providers to utilize a weight management toolkit to help clients lose weight? Yes, like I said, with, with some modifications, I think the prompt is the most, most doable and most applicable one that you can use. The food and activity log, it was a mixed responses from them, but this is something that any provider can incorporate regardless whether they are mental health practitioners or not. You can use this prompt uh, because some, not only antipsychotic medications, there are other medications that may have the side effect of weight gain as well. So this could be a, a good prompt to elicit a behavioral change. Dr. Fernandez, before we conclude our discussion, is there any last minute suggestions or recommendations you have for healthcare consumers or providers when dealing with antipsychotic medications and weight gain? I would say don't be afraid to use a behavioral intervention. This will help you in the long run. Remember, a behavioral intervention, if you change the patient's habits from an unhealthy habit to a healthy habit, that will help you in the long run as a provider because you won't have to deal with issues that are connected with unhealthy lifestyle habits. So that would be my suggestion. Don't be afraid to, to use a behavioral intervention. Dr. Fernandez, I can see how and why you received the Outstanding DNP Project Award. It's such an amazing project. It actually produced measurable outcome and um, significant amount of your participant actually lost weight. And one of them actually lost up to 30 pounds. It's just such amazing result. I can see why you won this amazing award. And using that common sense model is just, in a way, something we might not think about, but it's such a common sense application when you think about it. So I just want to congratulate you on your special award, Dr. Fernandez, Outstanding DNP Project Award. Thank you so much for sharing with us your amazing work through the application of common sense model as an intervention to assist antipsychotic induced obese patients to lose weight. Thank you so much for having me and I look forward to more discussions with you in the future. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Fernandez. Thanks, Dr. Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Before we end our podcast, we would like to say that this podcast does not constitute medical or legal advice. Therefore, it should not be taken as such, but instead, it serves as educational purposes only. Also, it should not be received or interpreted as an endorsement of any products or services or as a substitute for adequate training, research, compliance with established protocols, federal, state, or local rules. The viewpoints, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely to the author, not to the author's employers, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Thank you to everyone for listening. We hope you find value in the information that we discussed. At the World of NP, our mission is to empower healthcare consumers and providers by giving them voices so they can advocate for patients and themselves. 
please subscribe, follow, and listen to our weekly episode. Also, please make sure to share this episode with your families and friends. Thank you very much for your time and support. For more information, please visit www.worldofnp.com.